0: They
3: are
4: who we thought they were, and we let them out the hook. I get out of hand, just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter to the west right tight. That's left, 372 wide sticks, C
0: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
2: Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football.
5: Well, we're not playing football, but we can talk about it, and there's actually some football to talk about. Here in hour number two on this Tuesday with you. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. However you're listening, wherever you're listening. Hi to you. Hour number two off and running here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Check it out here. Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona. A loyal listener from Mississippi, but stationed out West, living out West. He sent us a picture of a book that he's reading. The title of it is The Great Influenza. Subtitle, The Story of the Deadliest Pandemic in History. Written by John M. Berry, also author of Rising Tide. New York Times bestseller. Let's see, small print. Hmm. Quote from the Chicago Tribune, monumental, powerfully intelligent, not just a masterful narrative, but also an authoritative and disturbing morality tale. So is it fiction? Or is it about like the Spanish flu? I mean, how about that, though? It looks like an interesting read. It looks like he ordered it on Amazon because it's sitting on top of an Amazon package. Hope you wipe that down before you open it up, Jason. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thanks for the picture and let us know what you think about the book. I'd be interested to know. In regards to uh, the Krzyzewski thing, him uh, being deposed as a part of this lawsuit against Zion Williamson, Gator Man on the Country Please and text line at 885 ESPN. Country please, and sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. Just look for the Red Hog and say Country please, and please. Gator Man says, can't lie in debt positions. See, they, the process of giving sworn evidence. I know. I mean, you better not lie. And if you do, you better clinch, I guess. Or just brace yourself because the worst is yet to come. You better not. You better tell the truth. It could get interesting. Before we get into the college football stuff, though, uh, real quick, Ronnie is hanging on. The Davini Equipment phone line. Davinny Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Highway 51 Madison, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson, your Kubota dealer and equipment dealer, period. That is DaVini. Hey, Ronnie, what's up?
3: Ah, not much, man. I was listening to you a little while ago talking about your weight loss and stuff. Yeah. You, you having any luck with it?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, somebody, uh, somebody tweeted me earlier today and said, hey, you mentioned weight loss, but I'd like to know how you did it. And I said, I'm happy to tell you, you're just going to have to remind me during the show. Cause I cannot think of it. So they text me earlier and I just briefly kind of outlined it for me. basic it's, it's basic exercise every day, at least, at least once a day, but pretty much twice a day. I get into a uh, lift once a day and I, I do a little cardio once a day for at least an hour. And then the rest of the time I just count my calories
3: I understand. I understand. I, I, I've been doing the same thing. I, I, I went on one back last January, and probably within a three month period, I probably lost a hundred and twenty
5: two pounds. A hundred and twenty two in three months.
3: Uh, yeah, and I, 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 it just fell off of me the way I went the the way I cut my carbs and the way I went to eating. I got to where I didn't do but uh I wasn't eating probably once a day, but I was staying so active and so busy. Mm-hmm. But uh, there there's a lot of different things you can do to knock that weight off, of you too, but, you know, like you said, counting your carbs and all that. And yeah. How you eat? Do away with your bread and stuff. That's what I've done. I've done away with all my bread. No no sodas. Everything I drink unsweet.
5: Yeah. When uh, you drink when a lot you, of water. When you really think about it, Ronnie. Okay, you said drink a lot of water. When you really think about it too, there's a lot of basic things that that we know are healthy, okay, and that oh, yeah. is, like, that, that a lot of people just won't do, and that is, like you said, you know, putting down carbonated drinks, soft drinks, just drink water, you know.
3: Um, well, man, that, there's, some, there's so many good foods out there that you can make that that's low-carb, like like a, I don't know, some of you might like sweet pea salad or anything like that, but I usually, and everything I eat mats out of a bag. I don't eat nothing out of a can. Uh-huh. And
5: every,
3: everything is either frozen vegetables or something like that. But I like taking my my green beans, you know, and, and, and blanch them and then put me some onions and peppers in there. With You you can put bacon in there. Uh, uh-huh. Do away with the mayonnaise. Use yogurt. You can add mozzarella cheese and stuff like that to it. Man, that stuff's good. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Yeah. And, then, and yeah. everything I eat, man, like, like I said, is baked or boiled.
5: There you go. Or grill. Yeah, well, and and I, and and all of it, you know. There's a lot of things, you know, like you're talking about. You know, this substitute, that substitute. It, you know, basically for me, I, I haven't even gotten to the, you know, into the looking at all these specific ingredients, a number of carbs, a number of proteins. I just know that you can't eat all baked chicken, and I can't eat, you know, eight. I can't eat eight apples a day. I got to mix it up and I do all of that under the umbrella of this idea. I'm adding up the calories. Hey, and if I if I can, burn you, more calories than I take in, I'm going to lose weight. If I take in more calories can, than I burn, I'm going to gain weight. It's pretty simple.
3: Well, you you can eat you you can eat like bacon and stuff like that. It's good
0: for sure. you. Sure. Yeah.
3: It's good for you. You can eat all the bacon you
5: want. But yeah. like I said, it's just
3: right. how you eat and what you eat. Anyway, I hope, you, I wish y'all the luck in the world, man. You
5: yeah, know? thank you. I appreciate it, Ronnie. And you too. Yeah, Congrats man. on your weight yeah, loss. Boy.
3: Hey, I needed it. I needed it. I was, I was up there about that 400 mark. And I had to get back down there. You, you,
5: you were a <laughs> that, big that, that
3: heart that heart, pro- that heart problem had me up there
5: pretty good. Uh-huh. That That's what happens to a lot of us. We get like a little bit of a... The doctor says, "Hey, your heart this and your heart that, and then we straighten up and do right for a little while." <laughs> well,
3: i had, i had, i had, i had to have heart surgery. You know, I had to have a pacemaker put in, but it, it it had me in a bind where I couldn't do nothing for probably about a year or so. You know, and I, I couldn't even I had to watch what I was doing. I, I if I didn't, you know, my heart going into cardiac arrest, and, mm. shit, and I, it, it just got bad on me, man. And, I, yeah. and after I got got to where I could do what I was needing to do, and and stuff. I said, well, I looked at myself one day, and I said, that's enough. I, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, it's time to change. Yeah. Anyway, wish you luck, man. I, I hope you get where you want to go, and wish y'all luck in the world, Thank I Thank you. Have a great day, you and B both, man. Y'all, 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 y'all keep doing what you're doing. Buddy. Thank you, Ronnie. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, man.
5: Nah. Appreciate the call, Ronnie. Say you lost uh, 150 pounds. Is that what he said 150 in three months? Trying to get himself healthy. That's great. That's great. Glad it's working for him. You know, what he said he got to a point where he finally just goes, OK, well, that's it. I got to do something. That saying it is so true. That true change happens when the air quotes pain of same becomes too great. When keeping on, keeping on the way you're doing is just—it's too painful. It just ain't going to work. You finally get to a point where you—you you, you actually change because you just can't do the same thing anymore, and uh, that can come in a lot of different forms. At what point will, during this shutdown, during w- at what point will the pain of same be too great, and we head back out to the football field? When will that happen? When is college game day going to be coming to Yosite? When is any game day going to be coming to your city? Huh? When are you going to know that you're going to have football back? Well, look, if you've been listening for a while, you're going to say, "What I'm about to tell you," you're going to say, "Matt, uh, I believe I've heard this before. I believe I've heard it from you before." Yeah. You have, but I want to reiterate and I'm going to give you some statistics in here with it, okay? And what's interesting about this is, you know, the truth, I, I don't adopt and pick up on everything early, but with this, I did. I just figured it out early that there's just, you know, I told you this three weeks ago, a month ago, there was no scenario where you were going to look up someday and you are going to have football back and maybe a few fans back, but the students weren't back. It's all on a college campus for every college football program. It is dependent on the campus being open to all students and opening classes. Then and only then are you going to have sports and you will then. Okay. Just like you're not going to ever have a scenario on a university campus where you've got athletes there and you're going to have games, but not students in classes. Well, The flip-flop is true, too. You're not going to have a scenario where the campus is open to students and on-campus classes, but not open to athletics. They go hand-in-hand. They are the same thing. They're all together. So that has to happen. been telling you that for a month. Posted videos on Facebook and YouTube, putting the word out there. And what you've seen over the last month is just a a steady trickle of story and quote and story and quote. Of everybody else saying the same thing. College football is not like the NFL. It's not like pro sports. In college, when the campus opens for classes, sports will be back. Everybody pretty much saying the same thing. To back it up, and I think I played a clip of this, but you know, last Friday, today's Tuesday, last Friday, Mark Emmert did a conference call media thing. And I, I don't know, it actually might have been Twitter, but regardless. He voiced it at some point last week. The same thing. His quote was, if you don't have students on campus, you don't have student athletes on campus. He goes, that doesn't mean the school has to be up and running in the fall normal mode, but you have to treat the health and well-being of the athletes the same as the regular students. So I picked up on a story here that was written by a guy up in Kentucky named John Clay covers Kentucky for Kentucky.com pointed all this stuff out and said, and gave you a link. This is something we got to remember that over the years in various legal proceedings, the NCAA universities have been adamant that the athletes who represent their schools should be considered students, not employees. Well, that's what they are to this point, as of today, until something changes, which would be on down the road, they are students. They've argued it. They are adamant about it. That's what it says in the paperwork. Therefore, they're going to be treated like students, just like the other students. So that's not going to change. Everybody agrees on that. But think about this. Now, this is where it gets interesting. JohnClayKentucky.com. Y'all you got to consume these numbers. You have to hear these numbers and you don't even have to write them down to the decimal point in your brain. You just got to remember this. Okay? Give or take a decimal point or two. You got to know this. Considering that the the cash cow that is the NCAA men's basketball tournament got canceled Didn't happen. Now, how important is football? We're not talking about for the well-being of fan bases and for us. Danny watching on Facebook right now says, please play college football this fall. Not even for our own benefit. We're talking for the financial situation of all these colleges and universities. Let's go back to the 2018-19 school year. They all have the data in. Let me give you some examples. These are straight from John Clay at Kentucky.com. They tell the story. University of Texas, that year, fiscal year, football was responsible for 86% of the athletics revenue a whopping $181 million. University of Michigan, 82%. Alabama, football, responsible for 83% of the revenue, athletics revenue. What's the biggest source of revenue for any college and university? Sports, specifically football, and tuition. Ohio State, football, responsible for 79.4% of athletics revenue. Now, let's take it a step further. You go, yeah, well, those are big-time football schools. Okay, what about basketball schools? The same fiscal year, 1819. Kansas, Rock, Chalk, Jayhawk, basketball school. But at Kansas, football produced 67% of the athletics revenue. Not basketball at Kansas, football at Kansas. At Indiana, 65% of the revenue. At North Carolina, 55% of the revenue, football, not basketball. Even the extreme examples Schools in the basketball state of Kentucky. Western Kentucky football, 60% of their revenue. Louisville, 52% of their revenue. And even the University of Kentucky. 50.9%, a slight majority of their athletics revenue. Football at Kentucky, not basketball. How important will it be to get campuses open? Well, hold on, Matt. You're talking about football. Why did you you jump over to campuses open? Remember what I told you. Campuses must open to classes to all students. And when they do, boom, football will kick back up. They're going to have fans? I don't know. Should they have fans? I don't care. They will play. Okay, part of that revenue number, TV. Merchandise, sure. Radio. So we can, number one, it's a 100% bet. When the campus opens, you're going to have football. But number two, I think it's a pretty safe bet. You'll have fans in some capacity. Maybe it's limited. Maybe they make them spread out. I don't know. We'll figure all that out. That has to happen. Those numbers just continue to paint the picture. Y'all listen. Canceled March Madness already. You don't have classes and you don't have football. The schools go broke. Just like that. DJ on the Davinny Equipment phone line. I think this is our resident Ohio State fan, DJ. What's up, DJ? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Go Bucks. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's spot on. I, I really do, but I, I got a two-part question. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, you being an athlete, and and, and you know, I coach for a long time. Uh, you got to have a competitive balance in football more than any other sport. You know, in baseball, if I train six weeks and you train two weeks, you may not hit my fastball, or my curveball, but you're not risking physical injury. If some of these programs, mm-hmm. and it is first part of my question, if some of these programs open up their uh, off-season program six weeks ahead of other programs because of uh, campus and, and their students, you can see the problems that that could cause. Uh, and the other question, and I'll let you answer both of them, uh, right now the private schools in Mississippi, and you know what's common for private public school to play, the private schools are allowing uh, their schools to uh, start practicing Monday, Mm-hmm. And the public school, from what I'm hearing, it's probably going to be closer to July. I know the current date is June 1st, but it's the third time they've issued this date or until further notice. So June 1st is not realistic for the public school. How fair is that? Gonna, and, and if you were a public school playing a private school, yeah. would you just cancel that game?
5: Oh, boy, that's a good question. Because, DJ, I mean, you're exactly right. You know, this this fairness deal, that. It's illustrate your point is illustrated by the fact that all the leaders in the Power Five, every conference commissioner in the Power Five, every AD, they are trying their best to to gear all of this towards all the Power Five schools kicking it up at the same time. That is practice and everything, but they understand that may not be possible because different states opening in different phases, and that's why there's so much talk out there right now about the real possibility. That in the – I'm going to college here, but but how in college, they, this year only, they may play like a shortened conference-only schedule and totally do away with some games. Okay, so so back to your high school issue. I just think if it's me, DJ, given the scenario that is a pandemic, I don't know that I'm going to automatically cancel my games with somebody who's had a little more practice time than us. And I get it. As long as I am confident that I can get my players to a point physically where they're not going to put themselves in danger by getting out on the field. Like in football, we're not practicing for 3 weeks and then playing a game. We got to have about We got to have about minimum 3 weeks of strength and conditioning and then about minimum 3 weeks of practice before I'll even let them run out there. But we yeah, may boy. have we may have to make some fairness adjustments to get the season off the ground as a one-time thing. That's just kind of what I think. So, DJ, I appreciate your call. Thank you.
1: Well, thank, you thank you, man.
5: Yeah, Bye-bye. call me anytime. You, you're going to have some decisions like that that potentially are going to have to be made where you go, well, it may not be fair that that school over there started practice a week before we did. But, given the scenario, we're ready to play. Let's go play. We'll get back on the same level playing field next year, maybe. I don't know. Stick around. Back on the show. What's up? Lynn on the Facebook live stream says Hail State. Hail State to you, Lynn. Thanks for tuning in. Speaking of Hail State, y'all check out the Hail State GC Twitter account. That's the Mississippi State University Golf Course at Hail State GC. They keep you up to date with giveaways for hats and shirts and uh, when they're open and hours when you can play golf and hours for the pro shop. That's where I get all my apparel. My Mississippi State apparel is at the Mississippi State University Golf Course. like the shirt that I'm wearing here, the long sleeve Button up. It's got the Mississippi State baseball logo. You can't really see it because of my microphone. See? Told you. Uh, so yeah, y'all y'all hit them up. Speaking of Hail State, see there, Lynn, you gave me a nice little segue into a reminder about somebody who supports the show. Thank you. <laughs> uh, country pleasing text line, real quick. Someone said, "I just got in the car after lunch, and you're back on the CrossFit guy stuff." <laughs> I was asked. Uh, you know, that's my excuse. Somebody asked me about it. Denzel said I lost 65 pounds in nine months while on my second tour in Iraq. I drank tons of water flavored by Crystal Light sugar-free energy drinks, ate tortilla wrap press sandwiches for lunch, stir-fry for dinner, walked six days a week, did push-ups and sit-ups. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, you don't have to do CrossFit to lose weight. Uh, You don't. It's all You don't have to go hit the gym and and go to pumping Iron to lose weight. Sure, it's good for you if you can, but you don't have to. Man, get down on the floor, do some sit-ups, do some push-ups, do it every day. Don't eat a bunch of junk. Limit yourself, which is hard to do sometimes. Like Sunday afternoon, about 5 o'clock, there wasn't no limiting me. I mean, the hunger hit me, and I just ate everything I could get my hands on. Uh, BB says, 150 pounds in three months. Came in at the end of that. What was the secret? It sounded like he had a long way to go. He said it started falling off once he got serious about it. Uh, Thank you for the link. Uh, Unnamed Texter sent me a link how a Division II school, Florida Tech, because of the complications of the coronavirus pandemic and the shutdown and everything else with it, has eliminated its football program. And I think I read where that's a school that played like Delta State and some of the others. So Florida Tech doing away with football. Bulldog West on the country, please, in Texas, just to add to what you were saying about how important football is to the economy. Think about how much restaurants and hotels with the travel industry depend on it. Even property owners depend on it for the rentals for students and second homes for alumni. It's all a trickle-down effect. Merchandise, sales, uh, concessions, custodial. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a lot that goes into it. Jason in Flagstaff says... Can we talk about how important it is to make sure that the players are safe? It seems obvious, but way too many are not catching that caveat. I mean, like safety of students, players, etc., and liability involved in the event a kid, if not several, gets really sick because a school opened. I see how it's probably uh, going to go. But here's the thing. He says. The reopen could very easily go very bad very quickly. Not enough folks are appreciating or respecting that that fact, and I think it will cost us. Um. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think everything you said there, Jason, it it kind of does go without saying that that is that's why we have these discussions about when will it open, uh, what's it going to take, and all that is because there's just a natural understanding that. We're up against the thing right here that is keeping us from opening. <laughs> Still as of today on May the 12th in in so many cases. So I think it kind of does go without saying. Yeah, it's complicated. But based on the numbers, again, there is a financial piece to testing students, right? Testing stations, medical equipment medical personnel. Well, you got to pay for all that. Well, based on the numbers we talked about before, at whatever cost, these schools will invest in all of that. And from the standpoint of the team, players on teams are going to be tested every day. It'll be a daily occurrence, some type of testing routine. So that's why when coaches like Mac Brown the the forever experienced, been in a million different places, won a national championship at Texas. Now, straight off the ESPN desk, right back into coaching at North Carolina. Where, if you're not paying attention, by the way, North Carolina under Mike, Mac Brown, they are recruiting lights out. Just remember, I told you, that's why Mac Brown says, Jason, when this does happen, there will be this new normal, and it'll be totally new as opposed to what they used to go through.
3: The reimagined new normal. And I think that's what we're doing. Things will not be the same. I'm a hugger and a high-fiver, and that's going to have to change. I mean, that's I, I, just who I am. So I'm really going to have to work at, uh, I can't imagine our first team meeting with everybody back, and everybody has to stay six feet apart. But that's uh, things have changed, and, and we're going to have to do that for, for everybody's health. It's, it's like we're in a constant mode of sudden change. And and there's a lot of unknowns out there that we've still got to continue
2: to work toward.
5: Working towards what? I mean, me, Matt, Jason, Beaver, what are they working towards? Well, it's the bridge between safety and how to handle this thing, get life going again under, under under safe measures, and got to have football on college campuses, like it or not. Clay Helton, head coach USC. The
1: possibility of a all conference schedule—that's um, that—is one of the structures under discussion, depending on where we are at, you know, six to eight weeks from now. But uh, those are those are viable discussions, and it has been brought up in our meetings.
5: Jason, you asked the question: Why can't we talk about the safety of the players? Here is Herm Edwards, Arizona State.
4: All I care about is this: the safety of the players and the fans when it's safe i'm good when it's not safe then we're going to have a problem we're going to have a problem and we all know that and i think we're smart enough to realize that everyone that's talking about they understand the elephant in the room is the safety of players and fans that's the most important thing And until we can figure that out we're all struggling with different ideas and I, i get it trust me i i understand it uh it's very difficult right now for everyone We all want to go out there, put our feet in the water. But what is this going to look like?
5: We want to put our feet in the water. And listen, when I say what has to happen for football to come back, I'm not saying, Hey, let's rush the campuses back open to all students and figure that out so we can have football. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you and I watch for the sign. Okay. Watch for the clue, and the clue that when you're going to get football back is when you start to hear, hey, next month, campus the campus will open for classes. And then we get closer, and it's still on schedule, and they go, next week, the campus will open for classes. That's the sign, okay? That's the hawk sitting up in the top of the tree. That's the sign that when that happens, I'm not saying rush it. I'm saying that's what's going to happen. The last time I checked, this football
4: game, this football thing, it's not a social distancing sport by any stretch of the imagination. And with that being said, if there's no students on campus, you're sending a signal that you feel it's not quite safe for them to return to campus. Well, if that's the case, why is it safe for the players to play football then?
5: Francis Del Tankus on the Country Pleasing text line says, what is, the, what is the number the NCAA lost by not having March Madness? Mr. Nonprofit Organization, <laughs> what, the NCAA, will not miss football revenue as well this year. Too much to lose and then too much to recover there's truth on both sides of this y'all we got a big scale right here okay if you're watching the stream look at my big old banana hands right in one hand we have exactly what jason and flagstaff is is pointing to you got to consider safety of people including the football players even if the campuses are open oh you got to consider all that there's no doubt okay what else are we going to consider? whether we like it or not whether you agree with it or not you're also at the same time balancing trying to get it to balance with the fact that you keep it shut down university these universities go away they go in the hole and it takes 15 years to recover really i'm serious <laughs> you know if it tips and and away You know, you can't open those schools and do all that kind of stuff. How many hundreds of thousands of millions of university employees across the country are unemployed? For 18 months, for two years, all those things. Hey, uh, coming up in a bit, today was a a fun day for me when I got the emails of things that happened on this day. So coming up in a bit, I'm going to give you some of that. There are a couple that are a lot of fun. And one in particular that takes me way, way, way back to when I was about three years old. Sitting on the couch at my mom and dad's apartment at Seminary Village in Louisville, Kentucky. Watching a TV show on a black and white television. And it inspired me at three years old to do something that I should not have done. And I have never forgotten it. That's coming up next. Stick around in the Farm Bureau studio. was exchanging texts with a friend of mine uh, yesterday. It might have been two days ago. Let's see. Well, I guess yesterday was Monday. No, it was yesterday afternoon, uh, exchanging some uh, texts. And um, this is someone that works in the, not on the athletics side, but in the college athletics world. And, you know, I trust him. I don't know that any of us know anything, but I trust him. And he talked like the potential for a spring schedule, like February, March, April, for college football, is actually a real possibility. I have not bought into that. I haven't bought into it because, you know, I... Like I said, I read some of those comments from kind of the foremost epidemiologist out there, medical person, who a lot of the NCA folks I think are bouncing stuff off of and consulting with. And that particular medical person, their thought was, in terms of what pushing things back from say October to February, you know, those three months in between that you give yourself, it's not really giving you anything. I mean, he he basically said, well, it kind of sounds good, but that three months ain't going to make a difference. You're going to be in the same place you are with this in February that you are in October anyhow. So if you're going to s- gradually open things back up in campuses, you might as well go ahead and do it in the fall because February is going to be no different, not any farther along. I, that was basically his thought. But this person said, and it sounds like that's emanating from conversations that are happening, that it, it could be a real possibility that it's – you know, especially if things don't improve or if something happened or if you were to take a step back, you look up and go, well, they're going to have football in the spring for the first time this side of the Milky Way. All right, Lynn, hanging on the Davini Equipment phone line. What's up, Lynn? Thanks for calling.
0: Good afternoon, Matt. How you doing? Just
5: right. Thank you.
0: Hey. Well, I'd say something about in-conference schedules. What, what would that I mean would that be like an eight, a shortened season or would we really uh, would play 12 games against the SEC school how do you think that look
5: you know so far every time I've talked about it I have tried to figure out Lynn how they would go okay eight conference games across nine weeks in October and November because you have nine weekends combined in October and November right and I've gone okay well you know hey I haven't yet stopped to think that you know if they get to August that's a long ways off and if we get to August and by that point they finally decide well we're just going to have to play in the SEC we're going to play each other well heck they might if they get to campuses if the, if they look in every SEC state and the campuses are going to be open they just might play everybody why not that's what I
0: think if, I, if they go to that that's what they should do that mm-hmm. would be a lot of fun right you, you hate it for the small schools like I don't know who we got this year for sure Alabama A&M or something like that sure it'll it'll be devastating to them guys right but uh, and the other thing if, if we move football to spring does it not become a spring sport from here on out how are you going to play in February and then do know how to play again in September
5: I can't figure that out Len that's the major hang up to and, me Just like we talked about, you know, the medical
0: school kids do that.
5: Well, and, and I read comments from the person who is like the chairman of the National Athletic Trainers Association. And he said, you know, every year we get to the end of the football season in November and we're already scheduling surgeries that are these kind of maintenance surgeries and reparative surgeries for these athletes on ankles and knees so that we can do the surgeries in December and get them recovered by the next season. And he goes, you know, what are you gonna do? You just not gonna have the surgeries they play hurt three months later? Uh, So I don't, it's hard to see how that makes any sense at all for them to try to play a season in the spring, other than financially. They would have to have it if they hadn't played by then.
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah. All
0: right. Well, all right. Just, I know it's all going to be different, but it's getting,
5: it's crazy. It's crazy. Appreciate the call, Lynn. Thank have you. A good one, man. You yeah, too, man. man. Uh, be careful on the road. It's crazy. I mean, I, you know, we've never seen anything like it, literally. Jason and Flagstaff on the Davini phone. What's up, Jason? i uh,
2: just call in and explain what I was sent the text message. <clears throat> um yeah, it, it should go without saying uh, and I think for you and me and um most people it, uh, <clears throat> it's some folks need it like drawing crayon for them. <laughs> and, and uh, this is what I well, this is what I'm worried about. Um uh, What's his name? Jake, the other day, accused me of being afraid of the virus. I want to wear my mask and all this other stuff when I go out. <clears throat> I'm not worried about the virus. Yeah, you know I mean? If I get it and it kills me, fine. What I'm afraid of is getting it and giving it to somebody else and them dying from it.
5: hmm Yeah.
2: Or getting, you know, I see you and me crippled the rest of their life or whatever. hmm and I'm worried that there will be enough people that aren't responsible that it screws up the whole thing for everybody. You know, the people that need the economy to open and all this. <sighs> I went out. Um, I went out all weekend, back and forth. And this is the number of people that were not being responsible is ridiculous. And that's what I said. It's going to cost us. That's what I meant.
5: Yeah. No. <laughs> not the I, I people get that
2: were being and responsible but mm-hmm. some people they need to hear it.
5: Yeah, that's no. I, what I, meant. I I think you're exactly right. Yep. And I'm glad you called and explained that cuz I think you're exactly right. That that's the the scary part of this is not responsible men and women adults of all ages, yeah. young and old. Mm-hmm. Staying apart, and we're not. You heard Mac Brown say, he, Mac Brown said, I like to do high fives. I'm gonna have to stop doing that. You know, it's not that, it's the, you know, it's the van full of people. That, you know, they get eight of them in there and they come rolling up and go in the department store mm-hmm. and touch everything and they're coughing and hacking and they really? don't wear masks. And You're right. So it's the irresponsible part. And as a society, I don't know what we do about it, to be honest with you. Jason, I appreciate your call. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
2: all.
5: Let me tell you a story. I have never let go of this memory since I was three years old. This is why I thought of it. <clears throat> Beaver, are you a fan of the Incredible Hulk movies?
3: The original one with um Edward Norton. Yeah. That was kinda
5: the first one was pretty bad. It's pretty okay. terrible. Pretty terrible.
3: But and the Avengers, they yeah, Mark Ruffalo was good. Okay. I
5: liked him. Do you remember way, way back the uh with Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk T V show? Oh yeah. I, as a three-year-old kid, sitting on my mom and dad's couch at the seminary village, my dad was in the seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, saw, I, I used to get to see parts of the Incredible Hulk on a little black and white TV. This is the intro.
0: Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation.
5: Now, first of all, can you imagine a three-year-old watching this?
0: There's his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs.
5: This is Lou Ferrigno flipping cards.
0: by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry.
5: <laughs> you don't like me when I'm angry. <clears throat> the original Incredible Hulk. This guy would turn into Lou Ferrigno. Green paint, clothes hanging off of him. The
0: creature is wanted for a murder he didn't commit. David Banner is believed to be dead. And he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, it's great. The final episode of that show aired on this day in 1982. Well, here's a story. Well, I watched that show. And my room was at the top of the stairs. I was up there one day, three years old. I remember it. I can picture it. I've never forgotten it. Very vivid. My mother Gave, had given me a brand new box of crayons and I watched The Incredible Hulk and I went up there and I grabbed those crayons one at a time and I pretended to be The Incredible Hulk and I went ah, snap and broke it in half and then I got the next one and went Aah! pow, and broke that one <laughs> I'm snapping these crayons in half and my mama came up there and said what are you doing I said, I'm the incredible Hulk. She said, Well, I tell you what, you're breaking them new crayons. You're not getting any more. I went to the store and bought those for you, but I'm not going to get you anymore. You just have to use them in half. And then it hit me. What have I done? How stupid was that? Also that I could pretend being a Hulk, I broke all my crayons. I'm an idiot. You <laughs> can't do that. Boy, I learned that lesson at three years old. Don't be going out here pretending to be something you're not. And don't break all your crayons, because they may not buy you any new ones. I have never forgotten that. What a way to end the show. Wanted for a crime he didn't commit. See y'all tomorrow. See ya!